People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodderant. Joining me, as always, is Jake Wachoba and Armand Kafai. And on today's episode, we talk about the U.S. men's national team. We talk about the apology letter that Greg Berhalter wrote, Christian Pulisic's hot run with Chelsea, and the decision by Serginio Dest to pick the U.S. over Holland. Now, listeners, if you haven't done so, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and follow us at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. We want to hear all your thoughts regarding today's show, so send them in, whether that's email, DM, or just a tweet. Now, fellas, we'll talk some MLS later this week, so be on the lookout. And Jake, we, we have a special interview coming out soon. We do for our uh, USL fans maybe our even our usl league one fans in particular that's a tease for you by the way i'm not going to reveal who it is but yeah we do have a little uh we have an interview dropping later this week so be on the lookout for that it's going to be usl related um i know we have some i know harry in particular big usl guy we'll throw, <laughs> <have>. <laughs> he loves the usl content so we're, we just want to make sure harry's happy so yeah be on the lookout for that that's going to be dropping later this week wow um, so we're catering our content for particular listeners is that what we're doing here yeah we're buying harry harry's the most harry's term. harry might be that one of the more vocal followers we have so yeah that's fair that's fair armand how we doing how's the off season in FC Dallas land. Pretty boring, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, there's competitive practices and stuff going on, but it's not silly season yet, and the MLS playoffs are still going on, so it's like a weird, like, in-between where, like, nothing is really going on. So it's just kind of, uh, oh, 2019 was cool. Oh, we can't really look forward to 2020 just yet. Let's wait for this last game. Okay, now we can look forward to 2020. So it's a bit of a... A bit dull right now, to say the least. Yeah, listeners, we'll have MLS Cup preview stuff later this week, as mentioned. But let's get to the U.S. men's national team. Let's get straight to the question of the day. Armand, Jake, listeners at Unksam Soccer Pod, what is the current state of the U.S. men's national team? And Jake, just give us a couple of the headlines to inform the listeners of what all they have been missing the last couple of weeks. Well, first and foremost, the U-17s bow out of the under-17 World Cup in the group stage. So we have that going for us. Uh, some toxicity, I guess, in the U.S. men's national team camp. There was reports about uh, DeAndre Yedlin uh, being unhappy and preferring to 
go back to Newcastle, which is another dumpster fire as we're on the topics of dumpster fires. You have Greg Berhalter's apology letter to the fans uh, that dropped, uh, I believe, last week. Christian Pulisic. Remember how we were all in panic mode about him a couple weeks ago? He's had a great run of form recently with Chelsea. And as you mentioned in the opening, uh, Serginho Dest has made a decision to commit to the U.S. men's national team. So, guys, let's get right to well, it. Let's do the- this also follows their embarrassment in Toronto after you know losing to Canada 2-0. Well, let's be fair. It was already a dumpster fire pre- uh, before Canada, so I'm not going to sit here and say Canada was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, this program has been a dumpster fire for the better part of two years now. So, Fair enough. But- anyway, listeners at Sam Soccer Pod, let us know what is the current state of the U.S. men's national team. And Jake, I mean, still a dumpster fire? Is, that, is, is this just what we're going to go with? I mean, it's 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 terrible right now. I mean, if you want to sit here and you know play Mister Positivity and go, oh, Pulisic's looking great. They got Serginho Dest. Hey, you know, uh, we got some kids in the pipeline here with the with the U twenty threes and under eighteens or under twenties or whatever. I mean, it look, it's the top of U S soccer is rotten. The coach sucks. I mean, there's. Until there's a new president, until Jay Berhalter's out, until Greg Berhalter's out, it's just going to be the same old, same old business as usual, status quo. Nothing's going to change. I Pulisic looks great. Sergio Dest is great. But let's be real. They're going to go play Canada and Cuba. And we're, we're going to fire up the mics in three, two or three weeks here and go, God, what an unimpressive performance against Canada or well, you know, it's Cuba. What did you expect? They should have beaten Cuba. It's, you know, so it's just going to be more of the same for the U.S. men's national team. Sorry, I'm painting a very uh, grim uh, picture here. Armand, what do you think? Armand, give us some state? positivity. I, there, there, I mean, there is some uh, positivity uh, you can find, but I guess I got Serginio Dest, and I guess the overreaction of Pulisic was that, maybe an overreaction of sorts. Uh, I mean, look. We, um, the U seventeen thing, I think, is something that you know recently came in uh, in the news. I mean, I think they bowed out yesterday, and it's concerning because uh, it seemed like that group was very hyped. I think like Raphael Wicky was a very hyped manager, and they looked really uninspiring at times. Yeah, like he's the, Swiss too. Doesn't board. In, doesn't board well. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. This, this the Swiss Americans, man. They do. <laughs> Swiss in America. They don't. <laughs> yeah, don't don't, don't, don't even open your mouth. Just move on. <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> No, but looking at, you know, just the, the state of the program right now, it, it seems as if, I mean, I think we're going we're gonna to wait till November 15th and they play Canada on Friday on Friday night in Explorer Stadium in Orlando to see, like, I, I think that that could change, uh, not drastically the view of what we have our national team, but it could change it a little bit to be like, okay, maybe Berhalter did learn from his mistakes. And you know what, this team actually is pretty... Uh, is okay. Maybe he's okay at this because look, if they finish up top of the group and end up going to the Nations League, uh, the Nations League final, like I don't know if people will exactly they won't forget about it, but they won't also be, I guess, relatively mad about what happened in the past as long as they get the job done right now. Kind of like what you talked about, Stephen, uh, in terms of getting results. But I mean, overall, I mean, from the Yedlin, you know, comments or not comments, 
the Yedlin reports. I mean, so, okay. So again, you, you mentioned it. I want to let's 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 get into that. We've mentioned it twice on the show, and I'll give you guys my take on the current state of the U.S. men's national team after this. But from the Athletic, DeAndre Yedlin's feelings about the current environment or atmosphere within the U.S. men's national team. Quote. It's not exactly a great environment around the team at the moment, said one source. In fact, the verdict was that Yedlin would be excited to return to Newcastle duty following a troubling 10 days with his national team. This is, again, via the, the athletics. So this isn't coming from some random Twitter individual. This is the athletic who is reporting that. And guys, I, I, I think that sums up really well the U.S. men's national team. Here you have a collection of Americans who are succeeding overseas, who are doing well. We'll get to Christian Pulisic, right? He's doing great now, but when they seem to get together, there's no fun with the U.S. men's national team. Like I don't know what Greg Berhalter does, but they look dead. They look miserable uh, in, in the colors of the red, white, and blue. I'd look dead if I uh, if I had to listen to sleepy uh, <laughs> Craig Peralter talk. Oh man, stealing a little reference there from uh, Donald Trump. Woof. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you listen to the guy talk. It's nothing inspiring about him. Or is it maybe because the, the team? Does the team like? I think they go on a low carb diet. Manager's tired from that, you know. Because I, mean, hey, I, but... I can attest. I can attest to that. That would make you tired. Yes, but uh, frankly speaking, uh, let's look at. Christian Pulisic's attitude on the bench versus Kanda when he got subbed. He seemed the test. I, I I question whether Greg Berhalter has the locker room together with the U.S. men's national team. Because following the debacle in Toronto and that loss against Canada, there was a tweet, and I don't have it in, in front of me because it just came to me, but the tweet basically illustrated that all these individual Americans who came together and lost to Canada, went back overseas, and then they did relatively well with their clubs. Either they scored goals, I think Sargent had a goal, Christian Pulisic had minutes, X, Y, and Z player had successful runs with their clubs. Why is it that we put these these players together and either Greg Berhalter doesn't know what to do or there's no leadership on the team, there's no pride? This is the big problem with the u.s men's national team no you're 100 right you're 100 right and that's the that's the 100 million dollar question is how do you fix that how do you how do the players well is it is it writing an apology letter is, is that the first well, way i can fix tell things? you i can i can tell you as somebody who read the apology letter what uh how much hot air was in that apology letter because all right let's get to it come on i never read it and thought wow thanks thank god greg berhalter wrote this apology letter i feel so much better that we we lost two nil to canada all right let's yeah let's dig into it so u.s men's national team they lose to canada two nil uh the last time they took the field that was the first time they lost to canada in 34 years following the loss berhalter took some heat for failing to acknowledge the U.S. fans that traveled to Toronto for the match. Greg Berhalter addressed this issue later on in a letter, and he writes, Maybe it was anger after conceding the late goal or frustration regarding our performance. 
Either way, no matter what I was feeling after the final whistle in Toronto, I should have walked over to thank our traveling supporters. I screwed up and I apologize. You've been with this team through thick and thin, and you deserve nothing less than our appreciation. I hope you know that you have it for every game. So, okay. Isn't it? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I I just love the irony because the three of us have written multiple apology letters. And then somebody actually writes an apology letter. Isn't that just funny? When I saw this, I thought it was a joke. When I first saw the tweet, I'm like, no, you're kidding. Greg Berhalter wrote an an apology letter to the fans. What world do we live in? Like, could you no, imagine it's, it's Bill no. Belichick or Steve Kerr going like, dear Golden State Warrior fans, dear well, Patriots fans? Well, I mean, I I can see Steve Kerr writing apology letter to the Chinese government, but uh, <laughs> not so much. I don't know about the fans, but we know we know where the NBA's interests lie. So, I mean, Ugh. listen, we were all frustrated. They lost. I mean, I maybe frustration was isn't even the right word here. But, like, is that an excuse? I'm not somebody who gets all emotional about coaches thanking fans and coming over and thanking fans. Like, to me, that's just, like, it's a business. You're there to play. Does it really matter? I, I like, if you... I were the away fan, I, he's if, – if my coach came up to me and started applauding after getting embarrassed, I would say, dude, go fix your locker room. Don't come over here would, and cheer, uh, cheer us you on. Would, you'd be Bob Bradley to Sebastian Salazar. You'd be, get lost. Get out of here. I don't want to see you. That's what. Yeah, that's when you need Bob. Bra- yeah, exactly. That's a great example. That is when you lose, you want to be the Bob Bradleys. But no, you want to show your appreciation to the fans that came out, right? Nah, that's who what, cares? It's not, it's not, who dude, they care? Cares. The that's fans? Not, they care. No, it's no, the no, fans. This is this it's is a PR fans. ploy. Why do you think he wrote an apology letter? Then this is for a fun? complete PR ploy. No, it, because the fans want to believe it's like Europe, so they think that their players and. Coaches should go and give them a round. You know, they all have to give you the applause. I don't to Canada for the game. Why would it like, like, are going to say, hey, thanks for coming out? Like, like, that happens. That happens. What? Okay. So the the Packers play the Chargers state. Half the, or probably 75% of uh, the stadium was Packer fans. I didn't see Aaron Rodgers doing a lamp around the the stadium. But you know what? The coaches are different. No, but Armand, Armand, Armand. Armand, I, I get it. Yes, you, of course, want to go applaud the away fans. But here's my big problem. You write an apology letter weeks after it, not not the press conference. Somebody says, hey, just just mention that you should have gone over to the fans and and applauded them. This is nothing but a PR ploy. This is damage control. This is trying to, to bring some calmness to a, a, a fan base that has no idea what to make of their U.S. men's national team. No, I mean, I get, like, what you're saying about the letter, but, I mean, I think the premise of, you know, like, oh, like, he, he should have just, like, ran his locker room. If, like, if someone clapped at me, like, and it was clapping after I lost, I'd be upset. I'd be like, no, go and fix your thing. No, I think the fans want, want, want to see appreciation. Do I like, right. agree after, with the content after getting, the letter? After getting embarrassed... After getting yes, yes, you do. At that point, that's the most important time, because uh, the fans I, I, paid to watch you get to watch you lead a team to get embarrassed. At that point, it's the most important time to say, "Hey, fans, thank you. We got fixes." Yeah, but why, up. why, why write an apology letter? Why not? Why not just put a a, a thirty second video 
or how's this in the press There's different conference. ways to do it. I mean, I, I think we're getting caught up in the semantics of it. I mean, I think but you don't have a pro- looks- so you don't have a problem with this letter. None whatsoever. I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay, that's fair. I, 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 I don't have a, I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with letter at all. Uh, but I, I like I, like I, like I said, I'm more of a guy of I want to see it, and I haven't seen it from Greg Berhalter. So all this is just talk. But I have no problem with the letter at all. Um, can you guys cue the uh, thirty for thirty music for me because I'm about to lay this on you. What if I told you that Greg Berhalter probably didn't even write this letter? What if I told you that this was just a uh, a communications guy within U.S. Soccer and then just uh, said Greg Berhalter wrote this? What if I told you that? Because like this letter means nothing to me, and I I, I don't understand why anybody would take this at face value and go, well, okay, yeah, great, thanks, but like show it on the field, you know, what I mean? like wh- it it it's I don't know. Do you guys want Armand? You, Armand, you want to hear more? Me... You want to hear more of the letter? Do you want to hear more of the letter? Yeah, okay, fine. I mean, I can read I can read the uh, another juicy part. I guess if you want to call it juicy. Uh, Burhalter using quotes here, continues to write, when we began this new journey earlier this year, we established the mission of changing the way the world views American soccer. We asked this group of players, many of whom are promising talents still developing and growing in their careers, to embrace this challenge and understanding that there would be highs and lows, that they would be placed in demanding situations knowing that the results might not always go our way. Of course we want to win, especially for our fans. We also know that as we work towards achieving our goals, progress won't always be reflected on the scoreboard at the end of 90 minutes. Nonetheless, we remain focused, committed, and determined to the process of building our team, playing bravely, and performing on the biggest stages. Yeah, I don't think he wrote that. Definitely. No. Definitely. This is PR 101. I'm telling you, it's this is good PR. This is damage control. This is what you have to do in this situation. You have a fan base that has no idea what's going on with this national team. However, Armand, let's get to the bright side. Christian Pulisic, boy, has he turned things around. But I don't think it's been that big of a turnaround because in his first uh, 14 games, he had five starts, 501 minutes, and five assists. And um, if I had said that at the beginning of the summer or in the middle of summer and said, hey, Armand, within the first 14 games, Christian Pulisic would play 500 minutes and have five assists. You'd say it's not bad. You'd take it. I mean, you'd say it's not bad, but again, I don't think I don't think anyone here would be happy with it, to be no, honest No, but with you. It, it's not awful. It, it's, it would fit the narrative that he's getting comfortable, right, with his new club, right, new league. Transition period. transition period. Well, in the last three games, three starts – 243 minutes and four goals. A perfect hat-trick to match, uh, to go along with it. He's been electric. What has happened? Did you just wake up and realize something? Or do you think it's just the transition period is over? I think he's getting comfortable in their Lampard system. I think that that's, that's a big part of it, you know, on the wing. And, you know, Lampard's given him belief. He's finding his attacking positions and he's capitalizing on it. Uh, I think when we were looking at the beginning, uh, maybe Pulisic was a little at the beginning overwhelmed. Okay, like I'm playing the biggest stage, like all this attention's on me, blah, 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 blah. And then, I, I, like I said, I think it took a little bit, you know, to get some confidence back, uh, get a couple starts, get a couple of runs. That, I think that assist when he came off the bench was really key as well uh, before he had the hat trick. I forgot what game it was. I think it was in the Champions League, was it? Yeah, when he, he sauced up Sergio Dest and found uh, – 
that's UI against Ajax. I think that was a uh, a key, you know, it's his confidence, you know, a confidence booster right there. And you know what? He had a couple of good sub performances, and he came on and did well. I think he's just he's just finding his feet in the system, and he's found it well. But again, as I said before, I'll say it again: it's too small of a sample size. Uh, we need uh, again, like uh, this is a good run. It's a good run. His last run was a bad form. This is some good form. Let's just wait. Uh, for me, we'll see. Like I think a more clear picture of what we see in Pulisic and Pulisic at Chelsea, you know, in December, January ish. I agree with Armand. I think the sample size here is uh, is very small, but it's promising, right? It's promising. I mean, in, in 744 minutes this season for Chelsea, Pulisic now has a goal plus assist per 90 of 1.09. I mean, that sounds good, right? That sounds good on paper. Um, I can give you guys some other notable Americans to play in the Premier League. Their goals plus assist per 90. Landon Donovan at Everton had... 0.58, Clint Dempsey at Fulham, 0.41, and Josie Alstor at Sunderland, 0.34. So he's definitely outperforming uh, other Americans in the Premier League so far uh, this uh, during his tenure at Chelsea. Frank Lampard comments on Pulisic's performance following Chelsea's 2-0 win over Watford. Uh, Lampard was quoted as saying, it's great to see Christian scoring a goal from four yards out. I love to see that because he could have decided to not go the extra mile and then the ball flashes across the, the face, but nobody gets on the end of it. If he continues doing that sort of thing, then the goals will rack up because there are a, there are a lot of goals to get in the six-yard box. I thought his general performance was top as well. So, you guys, we're going to ask this question uh, again. Did we did we push the panic button too soon? No, because I think it was warranted. I really do because he was he was teetering, right? So now he he boosted from it. He he came out of this hole. I I think it's it's never too too early to to hit that panic button, especially when you're at a big club, because how easy it could have been for Christian Pulisic to bury his head and just become another player there. Another Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne. That hurts. That's not a bad company to be with. No, yeah. yeah, no, but it's not <laughs> a bad not company, company to be to with, with now, but when they were at Chelsea, what were they? They they were players that eventually were like, you suck, bye. No, we pressed the panic button too early. I think. Way, 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 way too early. Uh, I think it, again we had to we had to wait wait and see uh, what was going on. I think if it was December, I think it could have been around the right right time to hit the panic. But I think it was a little too early, to be honest with you. I don't know, listeners I, at Uncle Soccer Pod, Jake, you agree? I agree. Uh, you can probably old takes expose me for my prediction that there was like a thirty percent chance he'd be with the club by next summer. I think uh I think that was probably a hot take. So you can arrest me. Put me in hot take jail for that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh lastly guys, Sardinio Dest ended up picking the USA. Quite frankly, I think I'm I'm that was probably one of the most shocking things that hit Twitter because there was nobody within US soccer media that said Oh yeah, so Gino Des is going to pick the USA. No one. I don't think anyone 
thought that Sergio disrespected USA. And honestly, how could you blame anyone for thinking of it, for thinking that? I mean, between the Dutch and the U.S., especially with what's been going on in the United States, I mean, it, it almost it, it's like, hmm. Uh, I mean, personally, I, I'd much rather play for the Dutch than the U.S. Yeah, oh yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> who especially wouldn't? Especially with Dest, who grew up in Netherlands, who's, yeah. who speaks, you know, fluent Dutch, like plays in the the domestic league. Like, I don't know, man. This really surprised me to say the least. I bet it has a lot to do with playing time. I mean, think of it. If you're Serginio Dest, you're going to constantly be looking over your shoulder in terms of performance because if you don't play well, well, you know there's somebody behind you in that you know in the Dutch system that could take your spot. With the U.S., I think his position is probably spoken for now for the next eight to twelve years. Right? Yeah. Would you agree? There's, I mean, there's nobody who's who's gonna. Who's going to take Sergio Dest's spot now with the national team? Reggie Cannon? Chase Gasper got a call up to the national team camp. Is he going to take his spot? <clears throat> I mean, come on. I mean, look, I mean, that that's probably what factored into us. And and I think something has to be said that he came up through the U.S. Uh, youth system as well. I mean, that that definitely played into it. And the U.S. identified him, gave him a chance. The, the the Dutch didn't give him a chance whatsoever until they realized, oh, this guy's good. He's playing for Ajax. He's playing in Champions League games. Maybe we should call him up. Maybe we should get him capitized. Since hey, he's well, the U.S. got American. one right. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to uh, Greg and Ernie Stewart. Uh, they were out at the uh, Johan Cruyff Arena to see Dest take on uh, Chelsea uh, during the uh, the Champions League group stage match. So I'm surprised they were able to reel him in. I like I like like Armand said, how could you blame him or anybody in his situation for picking the Netherlands over uh, the U.S.? And uh, we were all shocked. So, yeah. but hey, that's a, that's a feather in Greg Bralter's cla- uh, hat. So you got to give him uh, props for that. Listeners at Long Sam Soccer Pod, give us your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team. Question of the day: What is the current state? of your U.S. men's national team. And guys, I want to leave you with this one note. Transfermarket.com decided to to do a little digging here. When you look at goals per match, guess who sits tied for ninth with Mohamed Salah? One Christian Pulisic. So. You didn't let us guess. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't going to let you guess because it was pretty obvious. But 0. .5 <laughs> goals per match. Pretty pretty damn good, I have to say. Listeners, come back tomorrow. We have a special show for you, a special interview. Come back Wednesday or Thursday. We haven't made up our minds. We'll talk MLS Cup Final. Three times in four years, we're getting the Seattle Seahawks versus the, well. Seattle Sounders. Oh, Seattle Sounders, that. not the Seattle Seahawks. It's the third time in four years we're getting the Seattle Sounders versus Toronto FC. So stay tuned. Until next time. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey.
We are now in Cova Insurance.